Welcome to this week's episode of Seeking Proof, Finding Grace. I'm your host, Ron Campbell, and this week we're going to do something a little bit different and maybe a little bit unexpected. We're in December now, and for the month of December, we're going to take a little pause for the next four weeks, and we are going to look specifically at the Christmas story. And the reason why is going to be contained in this week's episode. The Christmas story is one of the most important things in the entire history of our little planet, in the entire history of this universe. And let me back that up. I want to tell a story this week that I think will help us to understand just how much the world has changed. You know, 2,000 years later on this side of what happened all those years ago in Bethlehem, we tend to forget just the way things were. So let's go back and talk about how cheap life was. In 64 AD, the city of Rome burns, and what starts off as a relatively small fire consumes an enormous portion of the town before it's all said and done. And as many politicians have done before and since, the heat gets a little too much on the emperor, Emperor Nero at this point, and he decides to pin the fire on uh, who the Roman historian Tacitus will tell us are a group of hated people in the kingdom, and those are the Christians. We know historically, looking back at ancient Rome, that Christians were at times thrown to the wild animals in the Colosseum for sport. That's for sport. But this actually steps things up even worse. You see, Tacitus pretty well tells us, based on what he says, he knows the Christians weren't responsible for it. He's just looking for a convenient scapegoat in all of this. And so what he does is he has them actually covered in tar, so hot boiling oil, has them covered in tar and then set on fire and hung on poles so that he can use them as streetlights for his chariot. How about that for a festive December, you know, celebration topic? This is, cru- this is cruelty and barbarism, the likes of which we just have a hard time imagining. And this is how cheap life was 2,000 years ago. You know, most of the population living under Roman rule are slaves to the Roman Empire. And there's varying degrees of how horrible that was for you, depending on where you had come from and what conditions you were living under and everything else. But being a subject of Rome was horrific on many levels. And being persecuted by Rome, the Romans knew how to persecute you like nobody's business. 2,000 years ago, life was cheap. And that applies to every single area of life as we look at it back in the day. You know, the relationship that people had with gods, gods with a little g, is more like a soap opera than it is anything else at the time. If you look back at the Greek and Roman gods and even back to the Egyptian gods, there was no relationship between God and mankind. You know, the Roman gods and the Greek gods were really just soap operas. I mean, they were the worst portions of ourselves applied to deities that nobody understood. And this really goes to this idea of what a lot of people think of Christians and think of other people who are religious these days. Well, religions basically just created a god for things that they didn't understand. And there was some truth in that thousands of years ago. There was a sun god. There was a moon god. There was a god for this and a god for that and all of these other little things. And there is some truth in that up to a point. And so what you had was people would make sacrifices or basically take bribes to the temple to try to coerce whatever, try to bribe whatever god you were worshiping into giving you something and giving you a break. You know, you didn't want your crops to fail, so you took in some kind of an offering 
And sometimes it was legit. Sometimes people just went and paid extra money to go have sex with temple prostitutes. I mean, it was, it was all over the place. But there was really no relationship between man and God. It was really just the, the lowest common denominator of our thoughts and desires combined with a desperate need to survive. And when you rolled all of that up together in ignorance, what you had was this relationship at the temples between God's little g and man. There's no relationship really there. Now, Judaism is very different at this time. And Judaism identifies, and you find this throughout the Old Testament, that God, big G, Jehovah God, was someone who had created the sun and the moon and the stars. The sun and the moon and the stars were not beings to be worshipped. They were practical, functional things that God had created for mankind. Um, they marked seasons. They gave us light. There were specific purposes. And whether you realize this or not, there's a very orderly creation narrative that's laid out in the Old Testament. Judaism lays out a very definite relationship between man and God, that God created us to be in relationship with him, that we fell, and that at the end of time there would be a reconciliation, there would be a, a, um, a gathering together of everybody, there would be a resurrection from the dead, there would be a final judgment, there would be justice, and again there would be some sort of an eternal state going forward. Now, Jesus comes into this situation. And the change could not be more dramatic, both for Judaism, who at, at this point has kind of wandered away. And part of that is, let me, let me be clear about this, there is within the Old Testament scriptures within Judaism, two different pictures of what the coming Messiah would look like. And in one hand, you have the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. And on the other hand, you have the conquering king. And Israel, understandably, is focused in on the conquering king because everybody wants to get out from underneath Roman rule. But the relationship between man and God has grown very separate there and very legalistic and very difficult. And that's most of what Jesus spends his ministry correcting are these wrong ideas that people had about the relationship between man and God. I want to quote for a minute G.K. Chesterton from his book, The Everlasting Man. And I want to, and let me just give you a tiny bit of context here. Chesterton, what he's talking about here is the birth of Christ. And a lot of times we think about, well, Jesus was born in a barn and he was laid in a manger. It, it might not necessarily have been a barn. Um, laying in the manger is correct, but it actually could have been a cave, given where, you know, people held their livestock and things like that. Actually could have been a cave, and Chesterton is assuming that it was. So that's going to help you with this quote just a little bit. Chesterton, when he's looking at how the world changed, and what Chesterton is looking at is the world changed dramatically on that night in Bethlehem. Not like you would think that it would, but it was very small. But that very small change produced just enormous change throughout the world and throughout history. And this is the way he puts it. It might be suggested in a somewhat violent image that nothing had happened in that fold or crack in the gray, in the great gray hills except that the whole universe had been turned inside out. I mean that all the eyes of wonder and worship, which had been turned outwards to the largest thing, were now turned inward to the smallest. It would be vain to attempt to say anything adequate or anything new about the change which this conception of a deity, born like an outcast or even an outlaw, 
had upon the whole conception of law and its duties to the poor and outcast. It is profoundly true to say that after that moment there could be no slaves. Individuals became important in a sense in which no instruments can be important. And what Chesterton is getting at there is when God laid down eternity and became one of us, it fundamentally changed our understanding and relationship with our God for forever. God with a capital G. When God laid down eternity and became one of us in the person of Christ, when he came as Jesus in this little tiny baby's body, he didn't come as a conquering king. He came as a slave born under Roman rule to a poor family. And what Chesterton is getting at there is, from that day forward, this idea of equality, this idea of everyone being equal, suddenly gained validity. Not just from the perspective of how we treat each other. And I know you may be sitting back there saying, well, no, wait a minute. Within our country, it was the 1860s before we finally got rid of slavery. And that's true. Granted, it was the 1770s before our country was even founded. But from what Chesterton's point is, from that moment going forward 2,000 years ago, you could never again have slaves without running directly into the, the idea that God had established that mankind was equal, that the lowest among us, this little baby born a slave under Roman rule, was actually God in the flesh. From that moment going forward, there could be no more slaves. There could be no more inequality. Now, the fact that there was is on us. But the pattern had been set. The example had been set. And from that moment going forward, the world changed. And like he said, it was, it was this sudden massive change out of something so very small and so very insignificant. And the other change compared to everything that we talked about before is suddenly you no longer had this idea that God was separate and above and far away from his creation, that God would love us so very much that he would lay down everything to become one of us, to save us. That changes the world forever dramatically. And the explosive growth that Christianity saw during the first and second and third century as it goes through these phases is partially because people were suddenly taken aback. It's a message Paul in 1 Corinthians said, calls it foolishness three, six different times. And he says to those who are not being, to those who are hearing the message who reject it, it sounds like utter foolishness. Gods don't do that kind of thing. Gods do not have a relationship with us. You know, if you look at the Roman world at this time, the ultimate god was Zeus. I'm sorry, Zeus is just horrible at this time. You, you honestly think that every cute girl in the ancient world Zeus is going after to impregnate if you look at the stories of ancient Rome. I mean, it's just terrible. It literally is like a soap opera. And this idea that God, an all-powerful God that created everything, could also at the same time love his creation so much that he would lay down eternity to become one of us, to die for us, to save us. I mean, Paul's exactly right. To the people hearing that who rejected it, they had to say, that's just foolishness. And unfortunately, to so many people today, they say the same thing. That's part of why we're walking through this process of looking at how the universe came into being and the most likely explanation for it being that independent third party. And it's not 
some Roman god who's out to impregnate every cute girl in the world, you understand why people look at that and go, those stories are ridiculous. Of course those stories are ridiculous. But nothing could be further from the truth when we look at the Christmas story, when we look at this narrative of what happened 2,000 years ago. And the thing is, until this sinks in in your life, and there are a lot of Christians who don't get this either, this is why we start every message every week with the most important truth in the entire universe, that God loves you. The reason we start every week with that message, once this idea that God loved you so much, he gave up everything for you to come down here, become one of us, and to suffer and die for us, when that idea soaks into your soul, when you really wrap your arms around it and the light bulb goes off, it ignites a dream that is dormant somewhere inside of each one of us. It ignites this idea inside of us that could it be possible that I could be loved that much? And it fundamentally changes you from the inside out. That's the impact that it had on the ancient world. It fundamentally changed things. And it had to be that way. C.S. Lewis, and I love it, he puts it this way in Mere Christianity. But supposing God became a man, suppose our human nature, which can suffer and die, was amalgamated with God's nature in one person, then that person could help us. He could surrender his will and suffer and die because he was man. And he could do it perfectly because he was God. You and I can go through this process only if God does it in us. But God can do it only if he becomes a man. What, what Lewis is getting at there is it has to be this direction. We can't approach to God because we've fallen and we don't have, and we talked about this in the resurrection and the atonement, we don't have enough currency to get us back there. But God bringing his currency in himself to us, God is worth so much that he can come to us if he's willing to do it. He can come to us and save us and do this. And this idea, this message of this little baby born in Bethlehem, and I, I love, again, I love the way Chesterton puts it, it might be suggested in a somewhat violent image that nothing that happened in that fold or crack in the great gray hills except that the whole universe had been turned inside out. And that's true for them as much as it is for us today. When you look at the universe through the filter of God was willing to do all of that, and then we look at the universe that we've been talking about, God was willing to create all of this to create the opportunity to reach out to us, to, to have a relationship with us for all eternity, that this is the job interview, that this is the, this is the initial piece, this is stepping into eternity begins here. Suddenly it all begins to make sense. Suddenly it all begins to come together. But the reason that the Christmas season is different than the 4th of July season or Labor Day. You can pick, you get one day off around Christmas. Some of us get Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But there's something different when Thanksgiving goes by. And it's not that the stores are pushing gifts, and it's not that Charlie Brown is on, but we love Charlie Brown. It's not the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It's not any of those things. There is something different about the Christmas season. There is something different. And it was the message that changed the world, that God would lay down everything and come to us in the form of this little tiny baby, that God would lay everything down and come to us born as a slave, born with, not with, not coming as the great conquering king, but coming as a small, innocent child. The fact that God was willing to do that, again, punctuates his love for us. 
So I wanted to start this month by talking about why the message is so very important. Now, what we're going to do is next week we're going to talk about these ideas that um, Jesus really wasn't a real person and that Constantine was the one who changed everything and changed the Bible and changed all these things. And the whole idea of Jesus was stolen from ancient gods who were existed before him and all ancient stories and all these things. We're going to talk about that and debunk that. The week after that, we're going to talk about supposed inconsistencies and problems between Matthew's narrative and Luke's narrative when it comes to the Christmas story. And then finally, Christmas morning, we're just going to go through the Christmas story. And we're going to walk through it and talk about it. I hope you'll join us this month as we go through this special journey. It is life-changing. And I hope you'll take a step back and be willing to consider the possibility that God loved you so much. He gave everything for you. And it all began 2,000 years ago in a manger in Bethlehem. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you have, I hope you'll hit that like and subscribe button. As always, you can find our podcasts here on YouTube, on Spotify, and on iTunes. And you can find us on our website at prooftograce.com. And you can reach out to us if you'd like on our email address at prooftograce at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you'll join us throughout the month of December and going forward as we take this journey together. Bye-bye.